You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Going to be talking TV today. I'm joined by Dan Barrett and Andrew Mercado. It's great to have you boys both back in the house. Thank you, James. Good to see you. It's always welcome to be let in. (laughs) Now, look, I probably didn't want to really start off with the TV Week logies, but I feel I've got it because we haven't really had you in since the sort of mini brouhaha, the controversy after the gold logie nominations were announced. What do you make of it all, Andrew McCarter? Has it been a big beat-up that's starting to just fade out? Look, it could be a beat-up in the sense that uh, the newspapers interviewed a couple of random people at the award shows and took their comments and turned it into a beat-up. Someone said to me, surely those TV executives didn't say that. And I said, no, surely they did, because if it is a beat-up, it's a beat-up based on sour grapes. Because what would have happened in that room, and I seem to recall this happening when Chrissy Swan was nominated from The Circle too. There are certain people in certain TV stations that are outraged that people that they deem not popular enough, that is, they're not on primetime TV, get nominations. It's what happened to Chrissy Swan when she was nominated for The Circle. And, of course, what it is, this sort of pressure always applies to people that are just outside the norms of what are the people that are supposed to win gold logies. So if you're not of a certain size or not of a certain race or blah, blah, blah. So I I have found it... um, What I found really, really annoying and upsetting was the fact that News Limited followed up that story of the TV executives that criticised Leland Chin's nomination and said that Waleed Ali from the project, what what the hell, the project's not popular. The problem was they then followed that up with that second piece, six reasons why Waleed Ali should not win a gold logie. And that is outrageous. No one has ever written a story like that in the press before. Okay, well, hang on. Let's stop right there. So you did seem to single out News Corp for for particular mention, but that story about Waleed Ali was actually quite a tribute to him, if you read it all. The problem was it was was a bit tongue-in-cheek. I did read it all, but I still was going, hang on a sec, what are you trying to say here? It was unfortunately headlined, I think. That that was probably the major mistake, because it just led you to assume 
Hey, hello, this is what the headline says. That was a badly written article in that uh, if that was the point of the article, it wasn't made clear because I was looking at the comments on that website and people were saying, I don't understand the point of this. And the problem is that article led to the most horrific comments on that website of people saying extremely racist things against Waleed Ali. That's the problem with that article. It was there to stir up a fuss and it, it stirred up a very ugly fuss. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The, the, the thing I can understand is the criticism about Waleed. They say, oh, but he's on the project. Well, hello, but so is Carrie Bickmore. And did she suffer this same sort of barrage last year when she was nominated and subsequently won? She got nothing. Hmm. The thing is, there is a cultural shift that's happening at the moment where we are seeing a call for greater diversity, both in terms of, you know, people of Muslim faith or like talking about Chrissy Swan being sort of a larger woman. Yeah. Chrissy Swan, who physically, I think, just represents a lot of people out there these days Absolutely. as well. So you can't really just uh, ignore that. But do you think the reason why we're seeing that cultural shift really reflects within the Logies and have done so for a couple of years now is because they've opened up the voting to online voting. So there isn't just the necessity for it to be a TV week readership, but really you can be any schmo who just wants to get on there and have a say in it because previously had to buy the tv week magazine and having to pay money to be able to vote in something that's a barrier of entry but now anyone can like it's no there's no restrictions in place yeah and you, you know the thing is that none of these people would have been nominated if a the networks hadn't put them up for nomination and b they hadn't got enough votes to get them across the line and people always criticize the logies and even in the years where all the white blokes get nominated and, and, and we don't criticise who the nominees are. People still get outraged at the result. People got upset that Scott Cam won the, the Logie that year, the Gold Logie, because he was a carpenter, you know, on TV. But the fact is that I always say the Gold Logie is about the most popular person on TV. And at the end of the day, you can't complain about who wins that award because it should be up to the people out there to vote. And I noticed that Annette Sharp wrote in the Daily Telegraph last week that this is the death of the Logies and that they should be dropped and it's time to hand it over to peer voting. Um, hello Annette, it's already peer voted. Half the awards in the Logies are voted for by peers, half of them are voted by the fans who watch TV. I see nothing wrong with letting people who watch TV vote for most popular people's choice awards. That's a good fair system. Now I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because <laughs> Dan and I had a debate on our little in-house Media Week podcast yesterday about the future of the Logies and we referred to Annette's column your death of the Logies was it too soon I said yep sure look it's still going to be a big deal for a while and we argued about the public voting and the peer voting Dan was suggesting that maybe just the gold and silver Logie should only be for public everything else peer voting and I said no no it's crazy it's got to be at least half and half half and half I agree half and half well see I just think you've got a lot of people voting for categories but they don't really have a strong opinion on well, I think I they think do just, well I'm not sure that people well, do best dramas and all that of course they've got a strong opinion yeah but it's not just best, best drama news, news look at news is the number one show on TV don't who, tell me people don't care about who's delivering their news to them who, who's your favourite new performer this year James Favourite new performer? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, that's but an I interesting thought. But what's, what's that mean? <laughs> 
Well, that's exactly it. What does that mean? No, but, but when you see five nominees put in front of you, you can decide of which of those five, which of those five people you like the best. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure that people have a strong feeling one way or another on a lot of those categories. There's obviously going to be some where they've got more of an opinion, but when you give people ten categories, they may have two or three categories. They're like, oh no, definitely. But by and large, they're not. So I think just focus on the very popular categories. So maybe you're. Uh, Gold Lurgy should be the most popular personality and Silver maybe split it into two which is best drama, best comedy, best reality or something like that and have those as the pure popular votes because I think those are the areas where people care it's the rest of them I think just gets a little bit muddled I do like it that it's half and half I think it's really fair and I think it's one of the only awards ceremonies in the world that's half and half I mean most awards ceremonies in the world are voted for by peers and critics who decide who they think are the most outstanding people. And the fact is that quite often who the critics say is the most outstanding, sometimes those shows aren't rating. I mean, if we did this to the Logies right now, Home and Away and Neighbours and shows like Pack to the Rafters, those shows would never get a look in again because there are... Most It'd be the death out of there. TV, be the death of the TV Week Awards because then really the viewers would, would be going. Who? What? Are, as I said to Dan, there'd be all these arty farty shows creeping in that nobody watches. How many um, arty farty shows are we really creating in Australia, though? Really? <laughs> well, stuff that's not you know doesn't attack track huge audiences. Things like Glitch, maybe you know, yeah. great show. I enjoyed it, but gee whiz. Did it cross over to uh, mainstream Australia? No I don't know. Way. I see a lot of Australian TV critics still liking things like Love Child and some well, of the... Well, no, well, critics is different. That's the point I'm getting at. The critics like them, but the general public don't. Yeah. I don't well, I'm want just saying, critics like... deciding yeah. the future of our war awards 100% in the future because critics are like film snobs. They decide that Janet King and Jack Garish on the ABC are worthy and 800 words on Channel 7. Oh, no, that's a little bit populist. You know, let's not kind of... Give it too much love. It's the number one rating drama on Australian TV. That's enough. Let's go decide who, what we think are the important shows. That's the problem. The people don't know what's good for them, Andrew. <laughs> they need to be told and kept in line. <coughs> You're funny. <laughs> well, let's just, I want to get your opinion too about some of the awards. Um, the, the gold in general, I mean, to me, it's just a, it's almost, even though it's the most, you know, theory the most popular order it's not really is it it's just a i see it as a bit of a sideshow act and you know great i mean if lee lynch in one good honor you know yeah it's fantastic hey i'd be surprised but it doesn't matter she's she'd be a worthy winner you know um some of the other ones interest me we did a comparison the other week i think didn't we dan of some of the programs that appeared in the um popular versus the peer groups the the dramas i thought were were particularly interesting yeah in the um the popular dramas you got you, you mentioned you know 800 words home and away love child house husbands and a place to call home and that of course is in the popular category yes, correct yeah yep. and then the peer groups 800 words well hey surprise. okay well, it is go. A, okay good Excuse me, please up. apologize to the critics of australia <laughs> oh thank you critics of australia for liking 800 words with the australian public uh, place to call home. Oh, also that's got to mention it was in both. That's good. Uh, Love child was in both, but the two two that appeared in this and not in the the uh, public one was a bit of a surprise. Wentworth. I thought Wentworth might have 
appeared in the public one, but it didn't. And Art Wentworth's on subscription TV, so less of an audience. There's, the, bar- there's yes. the barrier of entry. Yeah, yeah, but then so is a place to call home now. So. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but I think people have residual love for it, so they'd remember yeah, the yeah, free-to-air yeah, channel. Yeah, and what's the other yeah. show then? A Glitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, you can understand. Yeah. I mean, I did like it, but yeah, it was a... Um, and I also know as Deadline Gallipoli slipping into the, the critics' choice of most outstanding. That, yeah, that was that uh, the miniseries or telly movies. Yeah. That, that got a... Uh, I don't know if there's an equivalent category in the popular. I don't think there is. I stand corrected. It's great when shows appear in both most popular and most outstanding, but I think that there will certainly be a a time in the future if we make it just most outstanding that you know there will be some popular titles will always miss out. Now, see, I think that you look at what a lot of critics in Australia are after, and of course, when I'm talking about like we're talking about peer review, it's not just going to be critics. But I think that when you look at what a lot of TV critics in Australia talk about, they do look at some of those big popular shows. But it's something like Glitch, which otherwise would fly completely under the radar. Maybe it's good to see that there are two or three selections that aren't necessarily popular to bring them to a bit more attention. Absolutely. And that's why I'm all for the two categories. I say share the love. No, I say cut it out. (laughs) Now, it's interesting, the best actor. Now, Josh Thomas made the public... Best actor category. That's amazing, isn't it? People love those Optus ads. <laughs> and he didn't get a look in on the um, the Critics' Choice. No, that, so that's, that's incredible right. when yeah. you think about Please Like Me. Whose ratings weren't flash. Yeah, and the last series was relegated to like 10 o'clock, I think, on a 9.30 or 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, which Thursday night's become a bit of a graveyard shift. Yeah. And to be so late at that time of night. It's, uh, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Did he have a bit of a social media campaign that might have helped him? I don't know. I think people just like him. I mean, people are experienced with him from talking about your generation for a few years. Yeah, He's been a born like him enough to vote for this. But you this... would think they would watch the show. Not necessarily. I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. these things so are going to though that what, what was Please Like Me a show that they released early on iView? Like they did with Glitch and so, uh, Chris Lilly shows? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe this is one of these categories where people just look at the list going, yeah, I like that person and move mm. on, but they don't really have a strong feeling about it. Mm. Uh, other I'm wa- sorry for being proven right on this. There was no one actor <laughs> who made both lists, which I thought was uh, pretty No one actor. No. So the populars were Craig McLaughlin, Eric Thompson, Faraz Durrani, Josh Thompson, Josh Thomas, and uh, Stephen Peacock. Yep. You've been on a bit about... Uh, yeah, lately, and you? I mean, I love Stephen Peacock, but I mean, there's no way Stephen Peacock, a critic, would ever put him into the most outstanding actor category because who goes into that category? And the fact is that Stephen Peacock is phenomenally popular, hence why I'm going on about the fact that TV Week continued to feature him on the cover of their magazine, even though he's now been out of the show for several months. But he's still texting in. <laughs> Is particularly good looking, which won't have gone unnoticed. And just yeah. now it strikes me a bit of a resemblance between our Mr. Mikado <laughs> and Stephen Peacock. What do you think? Saying I've um, got a career as a river boy, the long lost river boy. <laughs> St- Stephen looks a little bit older, you know, if I had <laughs> The river boy's cousin. Yes. Yeah, just from out of town. Thanks. You'll replace him for that one season. <laughs> Send him Dukes in a photo quickly, mate, and say, look. <laughs> the, well, let's just quickly go through some of some of these others because it's interesting chatting about them. Yeah. The... The, the sort of critics' choices for the actors were Alex Dimitriades, yep. uh, Hugh Dancy. Yeah, Deadline Gallipoli. M- yeah, Malcolm Kennard, which is Ivan Blatt, which yep. you can understand. Uh, Patrick Brammel, who's been in so many shows. you know, you have, But I think he actually got it for Glitch. Yep. And then Sam Neill for uh, House of Hancock. See, those guys were great. I mean, Alex Dimitriades was amazing in The Principal. That was brilliant. But it was on SBS and not Mm. a lot of people watched it. So I think it's great that Alex got in there 
courtesy of the critics and those other guys. Yeah. And Hugh Dancy, I mean, all he was in was, well, I all he was in, but it was Deadline Gallipoli, which again had a pretty small audience, didn't it? Um, yeah. Sadly. It was probably the best of a lot it, of those shows. It probably was those Gallipoli-themed yeah. things. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, I've noticed, because uh, we're coming up to Anzac Day again, and I'm noticing that on the Friday night before Anzac Day, which is uh, Friday, April the 22nd, all the networks are playing their Anzac movies again. Beneath mm. Hill 60, The Water Divine and Gallipoli. And I'm figuring, of course, no one wants to play any Anzac-themed programming on Anzac Eve or Anzac Day because they now know it doesn't rate. Mm. So Friday and Saturday night, they're <laughs> going to push the Anzac legend and then when the actual Anzac Day comes, oh, back to ratings. What do you think about the timings of the Lugies? So, I mean, looking through a lot of those shows, we've got this divide between when the nominations are happening, which is usually over the like late November through to January period. But then you don't have the awards till April, what is it, early May, yeah. where the actual awards take place. So there's a disconnect. So I think about, say, Best Comedy, for example, and straight away I'm thinking about The Family Law, which was a great little comedy, but doesn't really get a look in here from critics or from popular, okay, because it doesn't match the deadline time. Yeah. So it's like five months of TV, and then there's this disconnect with all these shows which people were thinking about from last year, which we haven't seen on TV now for sometimes over 12 months. I'm tempted to say when you mention Family Law, well, it won't be <laughs> popular next year. But no, then, probably not. But as soon as we say that, someone out there is going to go, I'll show these guys. We'll get that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popular. Old Benjamin Law setting up his social media campaign <laughs> and getting it over the line. Okay, we've mentioned the, the best actors. Let's mention the actresses. Uh, this time there's one actress who appears in both uh, categories. And that is? And she's also nominated for a gold logie. Essie Davis. Ah, of course. So, which is I find really interesting. This is almost the this is almost the most surprising. Yeah. I think of the Gold Logie nominees is yeah. the the popularity of Essie Davis to to feature as a Gold Logie nominee plus yeah. in both categories of Best Actor. Because that is a show that everyone tends to overlook because it screens on the ABC on a Friday night. But the <laughs> fact is that it's. Think about the other aspect, not just on the ABC on Friday nights, also Netflix. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if it was on the Australian Netflix, but with a lot of Australians having access to the overseas Netflix at the time, people are watching Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries in huge numbers And there. The, the show has travelled overseas quite well, mm. too. So what is our headline? Netflix takes over the Logies. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just saying it's partially impacting. And also, don't forget, Essie Davies had a great year last year being in The Babadook, which was one of those great sort of underground movie successes that a lot of people came to from Essie home Davis, video. isn't it? I'm mispronouncing and, You know, name. also, did we not see uh, Craig McLaughlin in there as most popular actor for Dr. Blake? Correct. I mean, both Dr. Blake and Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries are vastly underrated. People are just like, oh, yeah, they're just that, that stuff that the over 50s watch on a Friday night. I mean, hello, look at the ratings. Mm. Dr. Blake has was several times, it was the number one show on Friday nights now. Yeah. You know, the ABC is actually tapping into something now and has been for a while now. Friday, Saturday nights, they know that people want murder mysteries. They can fill their schedule with British shows till the cows come home, but when they make an Australian version of the show, it outrates the British shows. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, but huge. Um, Okay, the other four actresses nominated by the critics were Deborah Mailman. For Redfern now. Yep, and I think there's a joke at the Actor Awards. They call the Best Actress Award the Deborah Mailman Award <laughs> because they <laughs> expect her to win it every year. Uh, Mandy McElhaney. Yep, um, House of Hancock. House of Hancock. Pamela Rabe. For Wentworth, of yeah, course. Correct. And the wonderful, my favourite, I think, Sarah Snook. 
Uh, for for the River. beautiful lie. For what? The beautiful lie. Oh, the beautiful lie. That yeah. was a great show, but then again, gee whiz, that was so far off the radar, wasn't it, for, yeah. for most viewers? Yeah, it was beautifully made. Oh, that was beautiful. fantastic. Beautiful. I wasn't a fan, but... Weren't you? No, yeah. I liked it. I mean, I liked the... the was it Beautiful River? No. Um, Secret the River. Re- Secret River. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, I thought yeah. anything she's in, I think, just yeah. t- her presence takes it up a notch and she's having some great success overseas. And making some amazing movies too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. So I think we might have seen the last of her in maybe many Aussie, um, especially Aussie TV series <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Melman also going to be in Clever Man coming up in June, which is, uh, did you see the trailer for that? Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone I've seen talking about it online, which is blown away. Like, I was expecting it to look good, but I didn't think it would look that good. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. Amazing. It's building a, a real following, but I just wonder how how much of it is, like, culty. How much is it going to cross over, you know? Because it wouldn't have surprised me if the ratings really aren't that strong. Well, what's concerned me, because I thought this was going to be a bit of a slam dunk for them, but when it's airing, it's in the 9.30 time slot on a really? Thursday night. So I'm not sure what the 8.30 slot is mm. after Janet King finishes up. But yeah, I'd imagine that a lot of the core audience for this, because I think it's a big family show, it's a bit more adult, but, mm. you know, a lot of the 10-year-olds to 15, 16... That raised an still eyebrow watching. with me, too. I thought yeah. that they made a promise that Thursday night's 8.30 was going to be first run of well, I did, so that will mean yeah. there'll have to be something, well, there'll, so there'll be, something be two else. Aussie dramas on yeah. that night. There'll be something leading into it, but yeah, I mean, it just seems strange, 9.30, for what is a big superhero TV show. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, before we leave the Logies, anything else caught your you know, eye about it that, um, in, in any of the controversies or anything like that? No, well, I'm mainly all about the, the gold. Most, yeah, most people are yeah. upset about it. But there's a lot of good work being uh, recognised, I think, so... You know, it was a it was a pretty good year for Aussie TV. I think when you really oh. when you look at all this, you think, gee whiz! You Listen, know. it was an amazing year for uh, for Australian drama. It really was. Yeah, I'm looking forward to one thirty in the morning to see when that gold league gets announced. <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh; it could be one thirty. But I, mean, I remember I, distinctly well the night it was twelve twenty a.m. Mm. in the morning. Yeah, brutal for a Sunday night. The uh, and I guess it has to be a good year for Australian TV because audiences aren't watching anything else, are they? Really, in any significant numbers. I mean, if it's not news, live sport, it's Australian programming. So if you haven't got your act together on that front... Is anyone talking yet about whether or not... You know, last year there was talk that maybe Seven might put the grand final of MKR up against the Logies and try and kill it. I see that MKR's counting down to... They're talking about the finals, but... (laughs) Still no news yet on whether or not 7 and 10 are going to try and go 9 and try and knock the Logies off its perch. No, I think as far as Seven's concerned, they do, they're happy to, especially now the Logies audience has dropped and Seven can put on a, an episode of My Kitchen Rules at 7.30 to 8.30, outrate the Logies possibly, or at least go close to equal in the audience, yeah. and then let their viewers go over and watch a lot of Seven shows win awards. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think they're probably pretty comfortable with that, and they don't really. Why should we hurt the the Logies too much? And they've they've got their own investment in the Actor Awards, which they're supporting for a second year. Um, Are they? Is, That's interesting. Yeah. Now, James, did I hear correctly? You were talking about on the Media Week TV show. Uh, they're going to be a luncheon this year. Is that right? The no, the Industry Awards. Yeah, which always were a luncheon, except last year when they tried to do it as an evening, mm. two nights before the sort of mainstream awards, if you like. Gotcha. But it's gone back to a luncheon. So what's that, like technical second. awards? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of yeah. vague sort of mainstream things Mu- they throw Much in. the same way the Emmys are broken up into a few yeah. nights. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, but they're back in December. I think it's the first Wednesday of December. They're going to be running in Presto's back as a um, as a distributor, as the uh, sponsor. Right. It's sort of naming rights. It's more the Actor Awards brought to you by Presto as opposed to mm. Presto's Actor Awards, which I'm sure Presto would have preferred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And good branding for Presto as well. Just that, you know, the Actor Awards are seen the best of the best, and they really do play out their movie credentials and HBO library. So a big selling point for them is, you know, we've got the best of dramas and... And um, yeah, good, good, good for Presto, which we've since found out is Australia's number two streaming number service. Number two streaming <laughs> service after Netflix. It really? Was, we, what have we got? Some new figures revealed. Yeah, we had uh, Netflix. Uh, Sean James and Brendan Presto, Moo in Presto last is, week. Presto oh, is Sean James. Who did I say? Netflix's. Netflix. If, if we were getting in the head of Netflix, uh, Reed Hastings, <laughs> like that'd be a pretty good coup. Uh, we didn't get that one, unfortunately. Yeah, well, um, yes. So the guys from uh, Presto came in and, and, and unloaded some new figures on us. So it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, Andrew Mercado, streaming. Do you get into it much? I mean, I'm guessing you haven't got a lot of time to investigate. Oh, so I'm still f- I'm finding a hell of a lot to watch on free to air and uh, my Foxtel IQ box. Hmm. The truth is that. I think about watching exclusive series on Netflix, Stan and Presto that I can't see anywhere else, but I'm really never, ever that lost for time that I need to do it. It's because you're watching all these ads and all the free-to-air content. You need to condense <laughs> that time and get your TV viewing right there. That's something Michael Bodie mentioned in his... Uh, he does an interesting little column in The Australian on a weekend. He re- picks out a DVD release that week and he's he reviewed a TV series. I can't remember what it was like, but he talked about the the volume of content that people now builds up on their um, PVRs, that they, they, you know, the time allowed to investigate new things, it's really hard because you've got so much there, you think, okay, you bank up, you get a series and you and you can almost binge watch it, can't you, if you if you like watching yeah. things in order. I've got, it, I've got shows in there that I don't have time to watch and then one day I think, oh, I'm, I'm crook, I'm just going to have to lie on the couch today and... I can just watch TV, but the truth is I never. sometimes I never get around to things and I have to delete them. We have to make that decision one day. Look, I've got to delete this series because there's something else I, w- yep. that's, that's, I really think I want to watch more than that one. You, that's right. It's like waving goodbye to a child, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, BBC, no room for you anymore. BBC First is killing me at the moment. So we got Fetch a few months ago and I've been recording a lot of series there. And because it's shows of which were being repeated on BBC First, I'm doing not only new programs from them, but also the catch-up of stuff I haven't seen over the last year. So... So yeah. it's killing me. Like, my PVR is really working overtime picking up all those shows. Yeah, that, that still is a brilliant uh, channel, I think. Oh, the, the quality, quality of stuff oh, there. If love it. If you really can't find much to watch, you know you oh. can just go there or go to their catch-up. Pretty you, much. And you'll find something pretty good. Yeah. Dan, what else has taken your fancy um, in television this week? Uh, I thought maybe we could talk about just a couple of shows of which have really been dominating my viewing. Uh, Andrew, I'm presuming you're across People versus O.J. Simpson. Yes. Which we were discussing before it had aired, and that was yep. on the last podcast we did with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? So they're up to episode seven, I think, on Channel 10 at the moment. Double episode this Sunday night. Uh, so I think they're playing the Marsha Clark-focused episode, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Mm-hmm. And then the episode after that is looking at the jury. Those two episodes, to me, represent the absolute high point of the series. Yeah. Like, the show, you know, I think episode on episode, it builds, become better and better. But as we reach these final run of episodes, like, the actual quality of the drama, I think, intensifies. Because not only are you dealing with the ridiculousness of the court case surrounding it, but the actual show itself takes really great pains to make sure that the ridiculousness is actually reflected in the emotional states of each of the mm. um, opposing law councils. Um, and so you're really sort of getting this real hide and dry 
drama surrounded by a circus. It's yeah. great TV. I think it was real. Uh, I noticed Tony Martin on Twitter today having a conversation with someone about the People vs OJ Simpson. And I was talking to Blake Ashford, who's one of the yeah, sort of leading Australian TV writers, who was saying, you know, how fantastic it was. And, and Tony Martin's comment was, "Why won't our Australian real life court dramatizations of Chappelle and what was the other one he mentioned, Beaconsfield? Yeah, I, I can't was, remember. Yeah. Why weren't ours also able to kind of cover that?" the madness around the media madness around both those cases and i think blake's response to him was well you know australian libel laws are a lot more difficult to get across the line and certainly mm. the case with the corby family i know they were having to tread very lightly there when they did Chappelle's telling movie but he does have a point there the great thing about watching oj simpson and also there's a little bit of uh time has elapsed here i don't know we, we seem to rush into the Beaconsfield and the Chappelle thing almost as soon as the event had finished. Bang, we were making the movie. But if you've got a little bit of time, you can look back with a bit more retrospect. And uh, the backstory that they've been filling, the people versus OJ Simpson, I've found some of that stuff really interesting. And the backstory behind Marsha Clark, which never really gets considered at the time. I think the whole world was caught up in making fun of what she wore yeah. and her hairstyles and all of this, which had nothing to do with the main thing. And I think in retrospect... She's like a hero now. She's a hero. Yeah. But we didn't realise it at the time. And then to actually look at all that from her perspective and, and see that that was actually horrific misogynistic bullying from pretty much... 100% of the media surrounding that case it's 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 really disturbing and the fascinating thing with that show is watching it as a modern program because I look at it seeing oh it's a period piece but it's so reflective of everything we're experiencing media wise now that you know it feels very current in a lot of ways yeah yeah, and you're seeing the birth of reality TV through Very it. much so. Not just because the Kardashians are regular cast members, you know, for, <laughs> yeah. you know, just generally the way the media have been treating the news story. That's right. Look, it was, the, it was that tipping point in history where real life became more interesting than what was on TV at the time. I mean, there's that actual clip in, in the show where the network representative says, get all our daytime soap operas off the air. This mm. is bigger than that. And I mean, that was the death of you know, 10 daytime soap operas after that. Yeah, never quite recovered. Yeah, I'm, that's one of the shows banking up on my um, PVR. I've only seen the first episode. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. It was fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, some other shows that sort of hit my radar. Um, actually, this isn't really a show, but uh, Kate Blanchett. There was a video of her doing the rounds earlier this week of her appearing on Red Faces. Yeah, Hey Hey Saturday. Yeah. You don't remember that? Um, what, what, her being on it? or? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've pulled that out a few times. Well, I've never like I'd never seen the clip before. I didn't even know it was doing what? Thing. I haven't seen it. Uh, it was her as like part of a uni review team. I think they were trying to get promotion for a show they were doing sometimes. So it was on so, Red Faces segment. Yeah. Oh, wow. When she Before she was Kate Blanchett. I'm yeah. I think that. she's always been Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know but, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But really captivating watching that. But just the fact that that clip came out and was really doing the rounds, right as I'm sure Daryl was pushing the idea of Hey Hey still being relevant again around the place. So maybe one to watch there. Uh, something else which caught my attention news-wise is a show which people may not have seen, but it's just launched on Presto, uh, called Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Now, this is a show that is showrun by Marty Noxon, who's a former Buffy the Vampire Slayer writer who's oh, been wow. sort okay. of around for a while. 
she's generally considered to be quite a good writer. I'm not a huge fan of this show, but I love the lead in her, which is Lisa Edelstein, yep. who people would know her from Friends and like thousands of dramas. And how many watching. episodes have you watched that you're not that keen Look, on I only it? saw the first two. Okay. I've got a real, like, this is a personal thing. I don't like movies where you're looking at divorcees because it's always just filled with hatred for the people <laughs> they're broken up with. And it just always feels like such a cliche. Like, they never quite feel fresh. Yeah. There's something about it that bothers me. So that was immediately sort of off-putting to me. But people seem to be really enjoying that this That would show. cut out a lot of programming, though. It really does. <laughs> um, which is good because I've got to clear up space in the PVR. <laughs> Uh, but what was really fascinating to hear this morning was Bravo, the network that airs in the US, they're really well known for a lot of their reality TV content, a lot of stuff that we're seeing on Hey You, the yep. streaming app in Australia. Uh, what they've done is they've actually, this is their first scripted series, they've greenlit it for a third season. Like the first one's only just finished. So yeah. we will see, actually, sorry, greenlit for three additional seasons. Three additional. So, so, they've seen so we're going to see it up to season four. five because I've already greenlit the second one already. So I think they're in production of that. They're saying three more coming. Okay. And like, that's almost unheard of from American TV. They did it recently with Big Bang Theory. And I think that's to keep licensing costs down and also cast negotiations, I think, probably get stabilized if it's a three-season commitment. Uh, but yeah, so this is Bravo trying to enter the scripted space. They've got a success. They've got something which is selling well internationally. So they've locked it down. And three seasons in addition to this who already, like that's... That's a massive commitment. We get excited here in Australia if we renew something for two seasons at a time, like A Place yeah. to Call Home or Offspring back in the day. Mm. And, like, you wouldn't really get that in the US either. Like, no. Yeah, to go three seasons, amazing. And probably a testament to the fact they know Marty Noxon's a proven creator. And also Lisa Edelstein is one of these people who I think you can rely on her. She's not re- like out there as a risk. It's not like getting, um, say, what's his Lindsay name from Lohan. Homeland? Um, what's what's the name from Homeland? Um, Claire Danes. No, the actor, the the man. Uh, uh, Damien Lewis. No, from oh, Chicago the, Hope. Um, yeah, the guy. <laughs> name uh, struck out of my mind. Mandy Patinkin, and he throws a tantrum and exactly. Walks off the set. You yeah. lose him after every second season because he walks. Yeah. Lisa Adelstein, she's going to stick around for you. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. fine with her. Yeah. Anyway, can we talk about Mandy Patinkin for a few hours? No. <laughs> no. Uh, the other thing, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is launching this weekend. Um, love the first season. Second season, I find it's dealing with too many flights of fancy. Oh. Takes away that... The main conceit of that show is Kimmy Schmidt is an outsider because she's yep. been in this ridiculous bunker situation. Yep. And she comes in the real world and can't really relate. But when you've got that character who can't really relate because the entire world around is so unrelatable to us as a viewer, I think the conceit of the show gets lost a little bit. Well, and while have, it's still funny, it doesn't quite hit the emotional mark. And they have said that they want to move away from that original concept. And now, let's not mention that mm. Kimmy was in the bunker. Now it's about her trying to find love. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's just not quite the show that I'd signed up for. Yeah. Yeah. If we're mentioning favourites, I just want to drop in something that um, Vietnam, the war that made Australia. Oh, how is it? Oh, it's been screening Sunday nights on SBS. Look, I put, it's on the IQ, but I looked at the other day Gee, and that's went, a good I am show. never going to have time to watch that. But I, you know, I, I'll be honest, I thought, uh, do I need to see another another thing about that's what Vietnam? I and, but gee whiz, I just tuned in. I just got hooked. These, these um, war vets they talk to and they... Talk, go back. They talk to people in Vietnam too. Yeah. That um, who you know the, the the local people there that suffered through a lot of this. No, it's just heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. And these guys just you know well going back and reliving some of this stuff. That's just incredible. I joined up Films as a production company, a little outfit from Perth, 
but they've done a fantastic job on this. So it's all on um, SBS Catch Up. Yep. So uh, if any, you know, don't worry if you haven't been recording this. It's it's really worth a look. And Kenny, I'm, what is it this Sunday night? Is it episode two or episode three? Episode three. It's a three part. So could you one. just jump in for episode three? Or oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. You can yeah, just, yeah, no, okay, yeah, 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 You can just watch, watch them all, and there's yeah, it's just really moving, and it's just yeah, it's just fascinating to see, you know, and uh, some of the stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's quite confronting too. There's, there's no graphic violence or anything like that, but just the the emotion. Just watching these guys deal with the emotion and hearing yeah. the stories is it's. Um, yeah, it's really incredible stuff. Anything you've got? Our um, uh, Downton Abbey finales on Channel Seven on uh, <laughs> Monday night. Very uh, sad for those people who who uh, will be seeing it for the first time. How's it? <laughs> how's it reading? It looks it's doing, doing pretty good okay, this season. Yeah. yeah, and I've I got to say, look, I've been an on-off over the years, but I've watched this season. I've really loved it. Oh, it's, been, it's great. I reckon this is equal to any of the other seasons yeah. that I've seen. I, I haven't seen them all, but there's been good stuff and really intelligent storylines, engaging, you know, mm. it's just, just now, interesting. I've never been a Downson viewer, but did Paul Giamatti stick through to the end? No, he no. just no. kind of came in as a little guesty. Oh, sorry, yeah. Along with Shirley yeah, MacLaine and that. Yeah, visiting yeah. American. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. I still smart. reckon it could have rated bigger for Seven if they fast-tracked it last October when it was screening in the UK. It screened in the UK in a... Sunday night, they could have been screening here on Monday night, which is where they're screening it. Yeah. And I still reckon a lot of people bought the DVD over Christmas and Yeah, because this last, last episode is actually yeah, the Christmas special. months to get The here. Christmas special. Yeah. I mean, I think you get away with it the first couple of years, but so many people are just so web-savvy. And yeah. I'm sure there's well, not anymore, a, you can't. No, I just don't no. think you can. And I think it's not so much about everyone watching it, but rather you just lose that conversation that surrounds it. Particularly when it's the final season mm. and particularly when you know there are going to be plot spoilers out there saying how it ends does it have a happy ending blah 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 that's when people mis- you know just go I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going to mistakenly log on and find out the end to this show I'm going to find whatever means I need to find to watch this and yeah because there's always someone at work who will be able to help you out of course there is yeah <laughs> What else is on your list yeah, there? I can see watching. some yeah, come on. Mads Grumpling. Seven Flicks are changing their schedule to put less movies on the schedule. Have been, how many weeks have they been going? Uh, it yeah. launched Not on many, right? Six, maybe. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, it launched around February 25th, I think. Launched 26th. with the premise of we're going to screen a movie at 8.30pm every night, six weeks down well, the track. Well, the original track, premise, I thought you'd think it was going to be Movie Channel. With the yeah. name like Seven Flicks. Yeah, because I think they just announced it when we spoke last. Yeah. And you were excited about that as a premise. I've got it here launched on the 28th of February. Right. On Sunday morning at 6am. Why 6 call yourself Seven Flicks if you're not going to screen Flicks? Well, we had the... Like, I spoke to Brooke Hall, who's their programmer. And he said that the conceit of the channel is every night at 8.30 there'll be a movie. Yeah. Okay. And he said that every night there will be a movie at 8.30 and the channel's based around that. So it is interesting to see them shift from that so quickly in. Yeah, and oh. I mean it could just be sort of a lack of diversity in their movie selections as well. So much it was reliance on that Disney Touchstone movie archive, and like they've all got a very similar feeling to them to a certain degree. So I think when you know that the movie you're tuning into feels kind of like the movie you watched last night, like that's maybe where you start to get that uh, familiarity set in and lack of excitement. I just think they're all kind of crap, really. The digital channels. <laughs> if you look at the movie offerings that are on there, it's all just same, same, same. They all seem to be going for more or less the same audience. It's look. In fairness, I'm actually really liking Eleven and One at the moment because they're doing some very interesting deep dives of shows which otherwise really get much of a play in Australia. So, 
Um, like what? Well, just lots of the FX yeah, comedy. So, so things like You're the it. Worst. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah, because yeah, I actually do. Yeah. I actually do watch a lot of shows on Eleven. Mm. And yeah, uh, the other thing that's kind of caught my attention on Eleven is the current season of New Girl. Yeah. Which is a show that's kind of just been plugging away a bit. If occasionally we get a bit of a corker episode, but hasn't been doing much. This season, I've actually gone from strength to strength, I think. Yeah. And it's been a great season for them. There's not much in a lot of shows on Eleven at the moment. Crazy mm. Ex-Girlfriend, Empire, yeah. Damien, which has just been bumped. Neighbours. Yeah. Da- Damien I-, I wasn't too keen on, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just okay. I'll tell you what they need to get rid of, though, on Eleven. Mm. Sorry, I know this might put some people out of work. <laughs> Couch time. <laughs> oh, this really a name show that comes on, kind of there like I don't know around their late early evening programming, and they, it comes on after Neighbours, and they sort of talk about the episode. And there's these two hosts who give me the impression that they actually don't watch the show and have no interest in the show, and it's adding nothing to the channel except belittling neighbours which they really should be trying to be trying to help build up that show's ratings it needs to go no I don't think it needs to go but let me tell you what they need to do there is a huge amount of social media attention at the moment a lot of love on Facebook particularly for Jade and Ryan who used to host Cheese TV back in the mid, early to mid 90s uh, they were some kids plucked out of obscurity to host the cartoons in the morning now they've made a lot of efforts online to get back in the cultural conversation I've seen them pop up on a few of the morning TV shows sort of you know, spreading their way. Why not throw them on as the coasts of couch well, time? Why not? Drive a bit of attention there and bring back some of these cartoons they used to have on Cheese TV, which I'm sure are still under licensing to Channel 10. Throw some of those on, have that nostalgia kick that way, and not just rely on what they do in the afternoons, which is like Brady Bunch and Cheers. Well, and it's not things. even the Brady Bunch. If it was the Brady Bunch, oh, no, at least that, that, that makes sense. It's yeah. really adult sitcoms like Frasier and Becker and The King of Queens, and mm. I don't actually believe that there's this teen group out there that need to have a conversation about shows that shouldn't even be screening in that time slot anyway. If you're going to have a two-hour block called Couch Time that finishes with Neighbours, actually have a block of shows that the one audience wants to watch and have some intelligent conversation, not just some sort of inane filler that brings nothing to the conversation. So to give some context, the afternoon lineup at the moment... Uh, it starts with King of Queens. Ridiculous. And then f- <laughs> so it's two episodes of that, two episodes Ridiculous. of Frasier. Ridiculous. Yeah. What teen out there in Australia is talking about the King of Queens? That is just a lazy fill-in program that is part of their CBS contract that has been screening on 11 since the channel began. It's been playing 24-7. Ridiculous that that's part of, oh, we're going to make this show couch time for kids. Kids Ridiculous. respond well to Jerry Stiller. I might just stick up for my little favourite uh, digital channel. I watch a lot of stuff on Nine Life. Oh, do you? Yes. What, what are you watching? Um, I like their real estate shows. I'm a bit of a sucker for those. I, um, flip, make over and sell, like flipping. There's a great one called uh, Five Day Flip, hosted by the Aussie, um, what's her name, Sherry Barber, Sherry Barber, who's made a bit of a name for herself in the US. She runs a website here and she's like a specialist in how to do up a home and resell it for profit. But she's turned up in the US as a bit of a TV star. She makes over these houses. They never say where she really is. I think it's somewhere in Minnesota. (laughs) And um, at the start of the show, she drives around, identifies a property, the likely candidate. They buy it five days later. It's all Renault. She sold it. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm just yeah sucked in by that sort of programming. You know? Yeah. I think um, it's good. SBS Two as well. Have well, some I, I was just going to say we've yeah. got to mention SBS Two. They, they've got some really nutty shows and some really nutty movies. Yeah. I, every Wednesday night this month they're doing Alien movies. Yeah, so brilliant. Alien, Aliens, Alien Resurrection. 
all that. And there's someone there actually thinking about, well, let's play a movie at 9.30 and then the movie afterwards should tie into it. That's clever. Yeah, so on Wednesday night, I noticed they had Aliens followed by Existans. So very similar audiences yeah, for both. Yeah, great, clever. They had a show on there last night, which we recommended in our new Media Week TV guide, <laughs> which you can find on the website every day, where the three of us do recommend our shows of notes. Uh, there was a show last night called Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. And it's a spin-off from collegehumor.com. And it's basically this guy who looks at modern misconceptions that we all have and exposes the truth behind it. So last night I saw that he was talking about the TSA airport screenings and saying why they're actually a bit of BS and all the security comes from other areas within the security system and that that's just kind of wasting everyone's time. But it gives the perception that you're safe and that's what that's really about. Yeah, and yeah, so it's yeah. about him explaining that for 15 minutes as to where that comes from. Yeah. That sounds good. Where's that on? That's uh, so on. that's SBS 2 every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Wow. Yeah, it's good. And it'll be on SBS On Demand as well, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. Uh, Things coming up. um, Ten just seem to be delaying MasterChef just a little bit too long, I reckon. But they've got to wait for MKR to finish. Oh, I suppose that's true. They They can't can't bring another cooking show out. There's this awful gap, though, they have each year now between the end of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and and the start of uh, MasterChef. It's true. They just get hammered some nights in the radio. Yeah, they're yeah, treading water. Yeah, you're right, aren't they? Just, mm. It would be suicide, wouldn't yep. it? To they got to wait for MKR to finish. And I don't know, is it my imagination or is MKR just getting a little bit longer every year? As it should be. It's <laughs> still such a ratings hit. I think we're already up to episode 40-odd or something. From memory, it, 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 did, it was finishing around the Logies last year. So yeah. that's probably, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating there. It just feels like it's going for a long time. Yeah, I haven't got my little book here. But the first year, I think it was just 10 apps of uh, yeah. MKR, something like that, and it's just grown since then, yeah. and and I guess why wouldn't you, you know, it's really the only show you can bank on now, pulling a massive audience of well over a million, Yeah, nothing nothing else. Nothing comes close can, to it. Can do that sort of business And anymore. again, it's down to the casting, and it's down to the promos. Mm. Mm. If they didn't get that casting right, people would stop watching it. So everyone seems to be looking at me right now for MKR conversation, I've got nothing here, guys. <laughs> Now, we lo- you've had a bit of a secret set visit. Are we allowed to talk about that? I don't know. I signed a form this morning and I didn't oh, read it, so I'm not too sure. Okay, but there's... I could have signed anything, James. There's going to be a bit of food activity this year, I think, isn't there? We- Is there another food show? Uh, I don't food show? Yeah, I don't know if it's been officially announced, has it? I don't know, but, it, but oh, there's... Well, let's save it for when it's closer to okay. the date. Mm. Um, but I, I think there will be um, some... I think it has been announced. But yeah. I think there will be more food programming this year. Right. Because... Look, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. Um, Seven obviously have that hit. And, you know, people say MKR's a great hit and Seven are brilliant, but then for every hit they have three or four duds. And and good on them too because that allows them to experiment, to find up, to try and find their next hit. Mm. How do you reckon crowded House Rules is going to go? (laughs) Well, this was actually filmed last year. Was it? Yeah, because this was going to be the second... Was that going to they be the second series two, of House Rules last year? I think so. Is that right? Well, the only I source I have on this is you telling me that the that, other week. No, no, so. no. That rings a bell with me. They were going to do two yeah. series and of House Rules and they pulled to. back. Yeah. And so now I'm they've come up sure. with this rebranding. Yes. Yeah. Well, look, I think it did okay last year. It did okay. Hmm. It's so, doing better than Renault Rumble. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be hard, would it? <laughs> so, yeah, it will be up against MasterChef, though. So, right. you know, uh, presumably it'll take second 
seat there. Yeah. Because MasterChef will do well enough. And the good thing about hanging back a little bit on MasterChef, it does build, excuse the pun, the appetite yeah. for the program. And people think of MasterChef as being a winter show too. Yes, absolutely. They kind of settle in. and a winter warmer. It's a Comfort winter warmer. Yes, yeah. Now, Andrew, what were your thoughts on a little show called You're Back in the Room? I have not watched it and I am not going to watch it. There is nothing you could do to make me watch a show about hypnotism hosted by Daryl Summers. It's not happening. Short you, of you've never disappointed me, so... Not happening. Um, <laughs> can we talk about the Hey Hey website that doesn't feature Jo Beth Taylor or Denise Drysdale? I see that News.com turned into this story and said, look at it, they've been erased from the history of Hey Hey. It's Channel been do- 9's come out today. The spokesman said to TV tonight, well, they were never there to begin with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the question remains, why weren't Jo Beth Taylor and Denise Drysdale, long-running hosts of the show, why have they Are been- all the other female co-hosts there? Jackie McDonald no. and Lavinia Nixon. The actual answer to that is in the um, same report, which was saying that the website was created for the original 2009 return of it. And because neither Joe Beth nor Denise Drysdale were part of that revival at the time, they weren't featured on the website. Ah, okay. that, oh, that's very clever. Now, yeah. while Joe Beth came back the next year when they did their like run of shows the next year, okay, like that's fine. But the website was a holdover from that year before. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, myth debunked right there. Well, there you go. Mythbusters. <laughs> That's what I was trying to think of before. The, so that SBS2 program is a little bit like Mythbusters. Yeah, know, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was funny because we were sitting on the couch. Uh, my modem had an unfortunate <laughs> passing during the week. Um, you know, you can send your flowers to uh, the media week offices. <laughs> But when that passed away, we were watching exclusively free-to-air TV last night. Uh, we watched the feed and then Mythbusters came on afterwards and uh, my partner Sarah was aghast at the idea of watching that. So we flipped over to Adam Ruins Everything, which is kind of the same show, yes. but she was totally into that. Right. <laughs> Maybe there needs to be a special Mythbusters episode on Hey Hey Saturday. <laughs> what, exposing all the... A whole edition. <laughs> Can we talk about those ratings for Gogglebox? Hello, they're amazing... They're good. I think 10 would like it a slightly little bit higher. But the demos last there, but, night. But gee whiz, how one, good was one. the episode this and week? And look at how the ratings have shot up on the lifestyle screening mm. on Wednesday night. It's now but how funny. Yeah, how funny was the stuff about lukewarm sex, though? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that was hilarious. What were they actually, sorry, I didn't see it. What were they saying about the show? Because I would imagine viewers' responses to what's going on in that show are probably more extreme than what they're actually depicting within the show. Um, well, they were... Pretty frank what they depict in the show. Pretty frank. Yeah. I, I just imagine the language surrounding what yeah, you're seeing on screen might be. class and stuff like that. <laughs> Hello. You know. Um, I will say that I think Gogglebox is focusing just a little bit too much on reality. Hmm. But what Last else? night they did Married at First Sight, Seven Year Switch, I Am Kate... It was five reality shows I counted. What dramas, though, would you... Or, you know, scripts, comedies, Hello, would you talk about on the air right now? biggest week ever. The first one-hour episode. It's a Channel 10 show. It's a Channel It's a Channel 10 network show on 11. That should have been within that show. Do they think it's, you know, it's on a, it's on a multi-channel? It's on a, you know, it's a bit off-radar? I don't know, is it off-radar? I'm thinking about those two pages in our Media Week magazine, James. <laughs> like, surely that's got everyone talking. But... Uh, Let's say, look, it didn't really grab the public's imagination. The well, Lassiter's bomb did it. I, I did. Look, the ratings like doubled, literally. The ratings went up. Oh, you they sure? Lit- I remember yes. looking. I don't think that Hello, I'm looking at their ratings very, double. very closely at the moment. And their ratings leapt from 169,000 to 269,000. That is almost mm. double. Well, I saw that. And, yeah, I just didn't realise then how far they dropped. 
because 169 is And that's bad. exactly why I've been looking at them. And 169 is really bad. And it's now back up hovering around 200,000 and, and going up. It has actually helped the show. The ratings have actually gone up. Yeah, I have seen a lot more conversation around it than I have, I think, in years and years, which is kind of what prompted me to do the story in this week's mag. Hmm. So, because one, one of the yeah. things I will say about this is that the writing on the show is really, really good at the moment. It wasn't just a stunt for the hell of it. Wow, look at this. We got some Jalignite boom. They have ignited three, four, five stories that are now propelling that show forward. They're being very clever with the people they keep bringing back from the past. They're trying to hook in new viewers. They are acing it at the moment. It is a really well-made show, well-written show. Speaking of, if you can clarify this for me. Uh, so in Neighbours, they've returned the character Sarah Beaumont, who's the girl that ruined the marriage between Dr. Carl and Susan. Had she been seen on the show at all until Dr. Carl pulled her out of the explosion? She came back um, a, a year or a year and a half ago, came back. Susan got all nervous that Carl's mistress was back in town, but she yeah. came back and sort of actually helped to put them back together during their most recent bust-up. So she left yeah. a sort of like, oh, maybe... Um, she was nice after all, but now she's back and there's something else going on. Was she seen before Dr. Carl pulled her out? Because the way I'd read it was that Carl was aghast seeing that suddenly happen and that seemed like the entry point for her back to the show. She was in a hotel room at Lasseter's when the bomb went off and she had sent a message to Dr. Carl to come and secretly meet him. She has something to tell him and she still hasn't revealed what it is, but I saw her in a promo next week, doubled over in pain. I believe that she may have some incurable illness and that I reckon she needs Dr. Carl and Susan to look after her kids in the future. That's what I reckon. Whoa. I don't want to turn this into a sort of a neighbour's fest, but (laughs) do 10 need to be careful with meddling with what they're doing too much so as not to upset the ratings in the UK where they seem to be quite happy with the program? The ratings are are pretty good in the UK. The ratings shot up in the UK too for that bomb. So but I'm just thinking here, is it almost too safe and bit boring for Aussie audiences but if they upset the apple cart too much would that risk alienating UK viewers see this is the problem that Neighbours has and this is the very thing that I used to accuse them of until I actually started watching the show seriously again Neighbours is not being safe and Neighbours is not being boring you would think so from well, that's their the cheesy credits. Have, yeah. If you see those cheesy opening credits and you see couch time at the end of the show, you think, oh, God, is that show still on the air? When you actually watch the show, within a G rating, they've got gay characters. They're doing storylines about dementia for the older viewers. They are nailing it at the moment. That yeah, show... See, there you go. But both of those things... I'm like, mm, gee, well, that's not giving me a reason to tune in, man. Yeah, now, Dementia and a gay character. <laughs> sorry, I was looking, I was looking at the storylines that have been running in Neighbours and it dawned on me, it's pretty much matched what Andrew was saying, that they are getting riskier with their stories. Uh, so I did the interview with Jason Herbison, who's from uh, FMA. Yep. Yeah. And he, like, I was deliberately asked him about that because I was thinking about that UK audience and it seems like the show is emulating a lot more of the traditional UK like early evening soaps at the moment. And I asked him, like, just, you know, is the Australian audience really still relevant to the thing? And he was pretty clear saying that both of them, you know, it's more of a lesser split. I'm not sure I quite buy that, but the official word is they are looking after both audiences. Mm. But see, when I hear Andrew Mikado write about the bold and the beautiful, I think, wow, that... That's some serious, interesting stuff there. I just wonder if Neighbours could be a little bit more out there or else publicise more 
just shake it up more. But, but then no, again, you're saying they're doing that anyway. No, they so. are doing it. That They are doing... I would tell you that Neighbours is a far more interesting show. If you watched a week of Neighbours versus a week of The Bold and the Beautiful, you'd really? look at The Bold okay. and the Beautiful and go, oh my God, they're still going around in circles <laughs> with the same stories. The only reason I wrote about it this week, because Dawn Wells from Gilligan Island, who <laughs> yes. played Marianne, popped in, and all of the people I knew that regularly watched The Bold and the Beautiful didn't recognise and None of them got this pop culture comment she made where she said I think I might go down to the marina and go on a three hour tour and everyone just went what a freaking random thing to say did no she one turn, recognised her did she turn to the audience and wink no she didn't wink yeah. and that was the point that's, that's no the problem uh, but I'm Dawn telling Walls. you if you watch it Neighbours over a week there is a lot going on in that show and they are pushing the boundaries and within their G rating they're still making a show that is suitable to be watched by children of all ages but with an eye to the UK market they are making a show that works for older viewers who are sitting down to watch it at lunchtime there is something going on in that show I believe for everybody now yeah and Dawn Walls in Australia about three weeks ago she was I doing think. Supernova she was doing Supernova she? the yeah. nerd fan convention yeah. yeah so that was in Brisbane and Perth I think they do those yeah yeah yeah. Um, I'm just going to say next week I'm doing the Neighbours Challenge I'm going to watch Monday through Friday yeah yeah and then I'll send and you some if you need ob- to text me and say yeah. what's going on here I'll tell you I'm telling you there's a lot going on in that chart at the moment. Yeah. Well, I might I'm- do the Neighbours One Day Challenge <laughs> right. I don't know about that the week chance. Look, boys, I'll give you the five-minute warning. Okay. If only because the battery on my little recorder here is showing, flashing, so um, I don't want to have to cut us off and give our podcast editor a big chore. Look, I'll raise one more thing. That'll leave it to you, boys, to close it off. Game of Thrones. Is there a bit of a risk this year that there could be real saturation? Some people might think, oh, God, I feel like I've seen the season already. There's just so much hype, you know, and there's almost going to be anticlimactic. Well, I will say this. I'll, I'll give a big, huge kick to Foxtel that not uh, kick a kudos. The fact that they're going to scr- simulcast the episode with the US, and we're going to—it's going to be Anzac Day. You're going to be at home. It's a public holiday. It's on Anzac Day. It's on Anzac. It's what Monday, April twenty-fifth. Anzac Day with yeah. murder and mayhem. Watch Game mm-hmm. of Thrones the same time as the Americans. That is fantastic. Well done, Foxtel. And over the next. I think on this Sunday night at 8.30pm on Showcase, they've got a two-hour retrospective, Game of Thrones best Yeah, moments. been doing a lot of those, those retro yeah, shows. Yeah, and they've got yeah. the story so far. You know, they're, they're, they're building it up. I mean, historically so far, this is a show that's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But, of course, you know, we've seen with other shows in the past, you can only get so big and then it's you've peaked and you're going down the other side. Yeah, I'll answer know. my own question. I don't think it will, but I'm just... I start to wonder yeah. if there's just so much. You know. I, I think it's fine. I think concerns like that drop away when people just start watching it because it's such a dense show. I think people just you know get lost yeah, and in they stuff really they just don't give you any. The hype is everyone else's hype, isn't it? It's yeah. not the show's hype. So the yeah. show are very clever how they sort of manage and just don't do anything. What, what's fascinating from a Foxtel perspective this year is that they're doing the fan show that comes out of the UK, uh, which is called. Game Game uh, Thronecast Thronecast, Thronecast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so screening that, it each night. Yeah, so oh, they're doing that from whatever broadcaster in the UK do that. Sky do that. I think. Sky yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, but in the US, HBO are actually launching their own fan program to accompany yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, called I think it's After the Thrones, uh, which is uh, <laughs> it was formerly a podcast, uh, but coming from Bill Simmons' podcast group. Uh, they're doing it as a TV show now because he's affiliated with them. So they're doing their own fan show to come straight after Game of Thrones. And I'm just a little confused as to why Foxtel don't have that because with their HBO deal, surely that's something they get the rights to. I think so. Yeah. Maybe it'll pop up. 
I always find it really, I, really I, interesting. I, I've asked. Oh, it's not coming. Oh, okay. I yeah. really find it really interesting that, you know, people here in Australia criticise Foxtel for, oh, my God, they, they've stolen Game of Thrones and they're not putting it on Apple iTunes for the rest of the public, so you have to join up. Um, hello, what happens in America? You have to be a subscriber to HBO to watch the show. Look, I was really prepared to make that argument around the place, but then oh. I remembered they've got HBO now, $15 a month. Like, that's a uh, reasonably cheap access point. Yeah, so that's the argument That's an there. American service that can charge a lot less because they've got a lot more mm. population to, to have a cheaper price. And by the way, you, you know, you're not legally allowed to get that hit, you know, are you? No, no, but the argument is that um, in a, well, it's so expensive in Australia, and yeah. you were just saying that it's still expensive in the US, but it's not because there is the right. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. so to watch but it there's here. still exclusivity. Wherever you are in the world, mm. there yeah. is an exclusivity. There is a But here it's going to cost you probably 50 bucks a month because you've got to get the basic and Someone then add on the drama Someone did it this week, package. right? Someone I, did it in you, the press this week. It broke down all the ways that you could do it and found the cheapest Yeah, watcher. I think it came from Gizmodo initially. Yeah. There was some guy on Twitter saying that it would cost people $450 to watch all the Game of Thrones this year. Not true at all because I did true. I did the math at all and was complaining on Twitter about it. Yeah, cheapest way to do it is usually Foxtel Play. Uh, if you get it through regular Foxtel, you have to pay the twenty six dollar entry price, twenty five dollars for the pack that gives you shows time. With Foxtel Play though, they usually do a deal, which I haven't heard about a deal this year, but no. I'm sure there will be one. Um, they've done it the last two or three years. So um, you'd need it for three months. You'd need you? it for three months, and there's yeah. only ten episodes, and they're usually so one fifty. So yeah, works out roughly about there. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's 150 bucks well spent. Yeah. It's, it's still that, a fair bit. And that's, but that's not the only thing you get to see. Of no, you're no, getting not. more. And you know what? This is a gamble. Television is a gamble. When Foxtel bought Game of Thrones for Showcase all those years ago, no one knew it was going to be this huge big show, was it? It's yeah. a gamble. But for those that are complaining about exclusivity, it is a capitalist society that we're living in. Like, you know, it's not like people are going to nationalise Game of Thrones anytime soon. <laughs> Andrew, quick adjudication on another argument uh, Dan Barrett and James Manning had this week. The Hollywood Reporter ranked all 50 episodes <laughs> of Game of Thrones in order, 1 to 50. I thought it was a great idea. Dan, not so hot on it. Okay, my argument against it is that Game of Thrones is the sort of show where there's great moments that stand out, and you could rank the 50 greatest moments of Game of Thrones, but it's not like I'm saying, remember the episode... Well, there'd be more than 50, so they'd have a list of... Well, 200 whatever. maybe but like, I think it's you can un- list moments but I don't think that particular episodes of the show generally stand out except when they do the sort of thing where for one episode they'll dedicate it to one specific location by and large I just don't think that list makes sense conceptually well I disagree so what's the argument the argument is that I they thought it was a good idea <laughs> he thought it was a bad idea stupid but anyway look I've used it, up all the five minutes bait. so quick two <laughs> final <laughs> comments from each of you come on let's go I've done everything on my list here okay alright good that was easy um, Dan, t- anything else? TV's pretty good. Yep. Have you yeah. got your modem fixed? Uh, no, Friday, uh, this afternoon. This one, I'm leaving a bit early this afternoon, James. Oh. I've got to see the guy. He's turning <laughs> up between four and six. Oh, God, let's hope he shows. Well, that's good. They give you a two-hour window. Uh, yeah. I remember the old days, they just say, okay, this is the day. Yeah. You've got to be home all day. Well, what stinks about it is they're willing to send it out by mail, but to speed up the process, it's a delivery guy dropping it off, but he's not able to just drop it off. Instead, he has to be there for you me. You have to be there, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Just leave it at my doorstep. I'm fine. I can do this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, frustrating. Oh, great to get you guys in. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Love your work. Thanks. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. 
Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.